I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. One of the two men at the center of a viral walleye cheating scandal is being charged with another crime in Pennsylvania County Court, Chase Kaminsky has been charged with forgery after he allegedly gave his son two counterfeit $100 bills. According to a criminal complaint obtained by local media, Kaminsky gave his son 18-year-old Caden Kaminsky the counterfeit cash to purchase games at a bowling alley in a town called Hermitage. Hermitage, or Hermitage, however you pencil and say it, means a place of religious seclusion and is home to the Hickory Hornets but you already knew that. Is Kaminsky the kingpin of a counterfeit operation? Eh, not exactly. Employees at Ten Pin Alley noticed the bills were counterfeit because they were printed with the words, for motion pictures purposes, and not legal tender. The bills were probably movie prop money, which looks like real cash, but doesn't have the right texture. Show me the money! Jerry, you better yell! Show me the money! Caden Kaminsky allegedly used one of the bills successfully, so he texted his dad, bring one of those $100 bills. Chase Kaminsky can then be seen on security footage handing something to his son. Chase faces a forgery charge, while Caden faces charges of forgery, criminal conspiracy, and theft by deception. Chase Kaminsky rocketed to the national spotlight last year after he and his fishing partner put weights in fish to win a lucrative walleye fishing tournament. I should say, allegedly, put weights in fish to win a fishing contest because the fish could have eaten those weights prior to being caught. At least that's what I believe they're going to try to prove as Kaminsky and Jacob Runyon pleaded not guilty to those charges back in October. Walleye that are obviously too heavy Benjamins that are obviously fake, I think I'm starting to see a pattern here. If Kaminsky wants to be a successful criminal, 
you should probably start taking other people's observation skills a bit more seriously. And that's just friendly advice. But I can't wait to see what the defense is on his latest charge. This week, we've got heaps of legislation and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was interesting. And, you know, as interesting as it ever is. I'm going to lead off with a big win for goose hunters. Or loss for those of you who hunt geese but somehow don't eat them. Super simple. Two meal. Canada goose leg recipe. You ready? I'm going to make this fast because it's very simple. Take all your goose legs and thighs. Throw them in a large pressure cooker. Fill that pressure cooker just past the three quarters full mark with water. I had 18 legs and thighs on this round. That's what I'm going off of here. Okay, for reference. Let that pea cooker rip for 30 or 40 minutes. Then turn the heat off and walk away for a couple hours letting it cool down. When you return to the pressure cooker, take all the legs and thighs, put them in a large bowl. Place the reserve liquid, or stock at this point, in the freezer while you shred the meat from the bones, looking carefully for bird shot. Discard the bones. Save your bird shot, you know, in that jar that you use to keep all the little bits of bird shot that you collect over the year, just for that purpose. One of these days, I'm going to kill a turkey with recycled bird shot, and you're going to hear all about it. Now, when the shredding the meat's all done, Grab your liquid out of the freezer, pull that goose fat lid from the top, then dump three quarters of the stock back into the shredded meat. Stir thoroughly. Use your hands. Break up the big meat chunks into smaller pieces, roughly, you know, no bigger than a 25 cent piece. Then add in a whole bottle of Bakken's, spelled B-A-C-H-A-N-S, Japanese barbecue sauce. I love this stuff. Mix that stuff thoroughly into the meat. If the meat still looks a little dry, put in a little bit more of the reserve stock, mix it up some more, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Now at this point, you can put this meat straight onto a bun, make a barbecue sandwich, lettuce wraps, put it on top of baked potatoes, nachos, french fries, add a little raw white onion. It's great. It's stupid easy. It's simple. Now for the second meal, that same meat, spread it about an inch deep in a cast iron pan and place that pan underneath the broiler at 500 degrees for about 25 minutes, turning the meat until every piece has a little bit of char to it. That sugar in the barbecue sauce, you know what I mean? This stuff is super addictive. Very, very tasty. Throw it on top of rice. Add more sauce. It's goose carnitas with Japanese barbecue sauce. It's fantastic. And again, it's that simple. That's two meals, simple prep, delicious. Now all you big tough goose hunters have to do is not only save your legs and thighs, but actually eat them. Do not write in to askcal at themeateater.com to tell me that I'm not killing enough geese if I keep the legs, implying that everything in goose hunting is justifiable. The sometimes tens of thousands of dollars of decoys, enclosed trailers, blind building, blinds, fuel, hotel rooms, dog purchasing, dog training, shotguns, shotgun shells, hours of setup and takedown, mud. None of that is an issue, but the extra couple of minutes per bird of cleaning are somehow not justifiable. 
Don't bother writing in to AskCal, A-S-K-C-A-L, at TheMeatEater.com, unless, that is, you have an argument that can somehow support that, which I will read aloud on this show. Think you found my pet peeve? Huh? Huh? Now, for a special legislative section of the My Week section here on the podcast, I ran up to the state capitol to address a bunch of Montana state senators from western Montana, as well as a state senator from eastern Montana, as well as the governor, Greg Gianforte, regarding a hot topic, conservation easements. As you may recall, I made the decision to invest $200,000 worth of our collective meat-eater land access initiative dollars, which all of you helped to raise, towards a series of conservation easements put together by the Trust for Public Lands and several large timber companies. This is a classic ticking clock scenario, as all of these agreements have timelines on when the cash needs to be put down. There is currently some uneasiness regarding the conservation easements, in particular, the word permanent that goes with them. The way conservation easements work in Montana is the state basically buys the right to trespass on private property, just like in the Montana Great Outdoors Project, which is where the land access initiative dollars have gone. Timber company land, private land, they maintain the working nature of the forest, but they sell a certain amount of trespass rights, which will transfer in perpetuity with the land. In this case, hunting, fishing, snowmobiling, cutting firewood, the landowners can set restrictions for fire danger or active commercial timber harvest. They have to adhere to a certain management plan. The land stays in the tax base, but can't be subdivided. I spoke with Senator Heinbaugh of Weibo, Montana, who authored a bill that would prevent the state of Montana from entering into permanent conservation easements and would obviously be terrible for the Land Access Initiative project. We had a great conversation. I told him all about the Land Access Initiative. I found the senator to be a super nice guy, even though we were on two different sides of the fence on this issue. His stance is this. Permanent is a long time. And what if, and what if, and what if? which is a legitimate point. It is very interesting that the senator's ranch shares a fence with a neighbor who did complete a large, contentious conservation easement called Horse Creek. Since we spoke, his bill has been heavily amended. You can look it up, SB 42, that's Senate Bill 42. Senator Heinbach also introduced SB 58, Senate Bill 58, which has been moved up to the House. SB 58 would increase the maximum allowable payment for landowners enrolled in block management, which is our private land public access program and something I am very much in favor of. I'll wrap this easement segment up with this. We can agree that permanent is a long time, but we also need to recognize that if a property subdivides and puts 60, 80, 100 houses on it, or worse, a dozen houses with 40 or 60 or 120 acres apiece, that's pretty damn permanent too. I was also fortunate enough to get some time with Governor Greg Gianforte and his staff talking about, again, conservation easements, and this is what the governor had to say. We've chalked up some big conservation wins in Montana over the last two years on the lower Yellowstone and the big snowies, Mount Hagen. Uh, and as we evaluate future projects, they got to check some particular boxes that are important to Montanans. First, does it increase public access? Secondly, does it improve habitat? Third, 
Does it support a working landscape, either through ag or forest management? And finally, does it have the support of the local community? The Montana Great Outdoors Project proposal checks all of these boxes. We're excited about it and look forward to supporting projects like it in the future. And we appreciate the Meat Eater Land Access Initiative joining with the state to contribute financially to this project. Before we move on to the legislation desk, I definitely want to thank Governor Gianforte and his staff for giving me a few minutes on a very busy day during Montana's legislative session. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Lately, I've been telling you guys about Land.com, the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with family you want. Land can be a great investment. Getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come. It's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you. And any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later. Well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, 
you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code, the code being Meat Eater. Auraframes.com, promo code Meat Eater. Moving on to the legislation desk. Marylanders will have a chance this year to speak up about several bills the Humane Society is calling, quote, wildlife coexistence bills. You can see where this is going. HB 188 would change the makeup of the state's Wildlife Advisory Commission to require the governor to appoint members from the, quote, wildlife preservation and passive wildlife recreation communities. The Wildlife Advisory Commission advises the Department of Natural Resources on wildlife matters, so it has a great deal of power in the development of hunting and fishing regulations. The Humane Society wants to see the commission changed because, quote, residents and visitors in Maryland who spend time outdoors without harming wildlife outnumber and outspend hunters and trappers by a wide margin. They also claim that public attitudes have changed dramatically in recent years to embrace coexistence with wildlife and value its importance. Yet, historically, those constituents have had little to no say in policy decisions that affect Maryland's wildlife. If you've been paying attention to this issue, you know that this bill is part of a larger movement to remove hunters and anglers from their powerful positions in influencing wildlife policy. These folks draw a line between hunters and so-called non-consumptive wildlife recreators, a term I have a huge issue with. Anyway, to argue that hikers and campers deserve a larger seat at the table, they often don't acknowledge, as a whole body of research suggests, that any human presence on the landscape is potentially harmful to wildlife. In Utah, for example, officials just ended shed hunting for the year to give mule deer a better shot at surviving this year's harsh winter. Shed hunters aren't killing animals, but the Utah Department of Wildlife Resources understands that big game animals are weakened and vulnerable to repeated human-caused disturbances. That's why, when the Humane Society talks about passive wildlife recreators and those who spend time in the outdoors without harming wildlife, I tend to roll my eyes. Another bill in Maryland, HB 406, would require trappers to obtain a number from the Department of Natural Resources and affix that number to all their traps. What's more, the bill would encourage anyone who finds a trap without the required number to inform on the trapper. If you want to weigh in on either of these bills, get in touch with your Maryland legislators. In Kentucky, State Vice Chair of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Nick Hart wrote in to tell me about House Bill 144. This bill would eliminate what's known as the Open Fields Doctrine. This doctrine allows law enforcement officers to enter open fields without a warrant, even if those fields are on private property. Game wardens use this power to enforce game laws, and it was confirmed in a 1924 Supreme Court decision known as Hester v. United States, but some states reject this doctrine and still require their game wardens to obtain a warrant. This bill would put Kentucky on that list. A law enforcement officer could only enter private property without a warrant if they've received permission from the landowner, are responding to an emergency, or are trying to dispatch a wounded animal. If you want my take, I've already given it to you on this one, all right? Fourth Amendment, big deal. Private property rights, big deal. Public wildlife, big deal. That public wildlife does not cease to be public if it's on private ground. This is incredibly contentious stuff. The waters here are turbulent, all right? And House Bill 144 is just another attempt to somehow balance the regulation 
of a public resource that does not stay within designated boundaries and private property rights. Very difficult. In a perfect world, the law would allow for law enforcement to go wherever they want, and they would have no reason to do so, because nobody would be breaking the law. Vice versa, in a perfect world, the law wouldn't be allowed to go anywhere on private property, and they still wouldn't have any reason to do so, because nobody would be breaking the law. But how, may I ask you, do we properly regulate public wildlife that does not belong to anybody with a thousand acres or zero acres more than anybody else, right? It's equitable. It belongs to all of us. That's why my hackles really get raised when we see regulation changes that only pertain to private ground or only pertain to public ground. That resource does not know what side of the three-strand barbed wire fence it's on. What is the perfect solution? Well, we need to recalibrate what our sense of ownership is in these resources. We need to understand that it belongs to all of us, no matter how many food plots you put in or how tall your fence is, in my opinion. And if you don't want to do that, you got to build a really tall fence. It's tough. What's your perfect solution? Don't bother writing in if you think wildlife should be called private if they step on your side of the fence. Moving on to New Mexico. The state's Wildlife Commission is in disarray after a recent resignation left them without enough members to reach a quorum. Until a new member is appointed, they cannot conduct any business or address any wildlife-related issues. The Office of Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham told the AP that they're planning to appoint another commissioner in time for the next meeting. But this latest fiasco is another point of criticism against Governor Grisham, who some say has used the commission to play political games. That's why some state legislators have proposed bills that change the way the commission operates. Right now, the governor appoints all seven commissioners. HB 184 would allow the Legislative Council to appoint four of the seven members, which would be enough to reach a quorum. The Legislative Council appointees would consist of a rancher or farmer, a conservationist from wildlife organization not focused on game species, a hunter or angler, and a scientist who has at least a master's degree in wildlife biology or a similar field. The bill would also take away the governor's ability to dismiss a commissioner, allowing the state Supreme Court to take action in cases of incompetence or malfeasance. The bill has already passed the House Government Elections and Indian Affairs Committee on a 7-2 vote. If you'd like to weigh in, get in touch with your New Mexico legislators about HB 184 or visit themeateater.com forward slash cal where you can find all sorts of great information. Jumping over to the WYO. Wyomingites will get a head start on shed hunting next year if HB 123 passes the Senate. The bill would allow the State Wildlife Commission to set seasons and regulations for shed hunting, and it would require that residents be allowed to start shed hunting three days before non-residents. This shed hunting season would only apply to public land, so landowners and those with permission to look on private land would be unaffected. The bill passed the House in a 48-13 vote and is now being considered by the Senate Wildlife and Cultural Resources Committee. Moving on to the military desk. A major general in the U.S. Army was suspended from duty last week following allegations that he had violated hunting rules on the base. The Army announced earlier this month that Major General Kenneth Camper has been suspended from his position as Commanding General of the U.S. Army Fire Center of Excellence at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. 
the Department of the Army Inspector General is currently investigating Camper, and Military.com spoke with multiple sources who say he had repeatedly violated hunting rules on the base. We have our own sources here at Cal's Week in Review, and I have a few additional details. A listener wrote in, who's also stationed at Fort Sill, and he told me that there could be some serious federal charges coming down the pipe. You know, it's, it's hearsay. I believe it's a credible source, and uh, I'll just say that the Major General uh, very well may have ordered the code red, if you know what I mean. But it's not just him. There may be at least a dozen people who are implicated in the investigation, mostly within the Major General's inner circle. I reached out to the Army Press Office to confirm these allegations, but they ignored my questions and sent me to the same statement reported by other media outlets. Army spokeswoman Cynthia O. Smith did confirm that the investigation is not related to sexual misconduct, which is especially good news considering the alleged involvement of deer and elk. There's definitely a JAG episode in here somewhere. Speaking of authority figures illegally hunting while on duty, an officer with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police resigned recently after trying to hunt a caribou from his police car. Back in March of 2022, 33-year-old Carl Tabaris Cheverie was returning from the Bunibani Cree Nation in Manitoba, Canada. While driving a fully marked police vehicle, he encountered a caribou near the road and decided on a quick, impromptu hunt. He shot at the animal with his patrol-issued carbine, but instead of hitting the caribou, he hit his own car by mistake. I haven't been able to find exactly how this happened. I assume he was trying to use his car as a rest, and the bullets, you know, danced off the hood. But that's just a guess. Anyway, Mountie Carl figured he wouldn't be able to hide his infractions, given the bullet holes in his car, so he told his supervising officer about the incident when he got back to HQ. An investigation was launched, and Mountie Carl was uh, dismounted, you could say. He was charged last month with the use of a prohibited firearm in a careless manner and hunting without a license. Moving on to the mailbag. By now, you've probably heard about the AI software known as ChatGPT. It's kind of a conversation bot that can answer questions, write essays, and even tell jokes. A listener from Australia named Dylan Picks wrote in this week to tell me about another thing that ChatGPT can do. And I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed. Dylan is from South Australia, where as we've covered before, the government is considering banning bow hunting. So Dylan asked ChatGPT to write a letter to the deputy premier urging a reconsideration of the bow hunting ban. I won't read you the whole thing, but here's a part of what ChatGPT spit out. Dear Deputy Premier, I hope this letter finds you well. I am writing to you today to express my strong opposition to the ban on bow hunting in South Australia. As an avid hunter and conservationist, I believe that this ban is misguided and does not properly address the concerns about wildlife conservation and hunting practices in the state. Bow hunting has a long and rich history in South Australia and is a popular recreational activity for many residents. It is a humane and efficient method of hunting that provides significant economic benefits to rural communities and supports conservation efforts through the management of wildlife populations. Not bad for a computer. Dylan pointed out that the letter wasn't 100% factually correct and it needed some additional tweaking. It's also worth pointing out that these AI bots can be biased. They also aren't buying conservation stamps. 
their programmers and code those biases in their software, so don't expect ChatGPT to take your position on every issue. But if you've been wanting to write to your representatives about some of the legislation we've been covering, ChatGPT could give you a good place to start. Another listener from Australia, Steve Murphy, wrote in with a good reminder for hunters here in the United States. Even though only a small percentage of Americans actually hunt, we enjoy widespread support from the general public. That isn't true of Australia, and Steve is worried that the lack of public support will result in a ban on duck hunting in Victoria and South Australia. Because there are so few hunters, they haven't been able to maintain political support generated by revenue from hunting licenses, stamps, and tags. Quote, the result has been an ever-decreasing lack of support for hunting within the wider community, fewer and fewer hunters being recruited, and eventually a tipping point being reached where politicians sided with anti-hunting sentiment, which looks increasingly likely to result in the introduction of laws that will outlaw the practice altogether. Hunters, Steve says, need to maintain a critical mass to keep their public support. Without it, it becomes much easier for anti-hunting forces to come in and have their way, quote, the lesson here for the U.S. is that numbers matter. The Victorian situation is a real-life example of what can happen without a strong hunting community. There's been a debate over the last few years about hunter recruitment efforts and overcrowding on U.S. public land, and Australia's example doesn't settle that controversy. But it is an important reminder that we shouldn't take public support for granted. We should do everything we can to maintain our political and cultural influence so we can be sure that future generations have the same opportunities to hunt and fish that we enjoy. That's a great point, Steve, and I hate to be a nag, but that's why you got to reach out to your representatives. Doesn't matter if you voted for them or not, if they're a political party that you like or not, and let them know when they're doing things right with a thank you, and let them know when they're doing things wrong. Yes, it's a pain in the ass, because you have to pay attention and hold these people accountable. But it's the only way this thing works. Thank you so much for listening. That's all I've got for you this week. Remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. I appreciate it. Further, if you just got a massive snowstorm like we did here in Bose Angeles, Montana, you may be wondering if that wood pile is going to get dangerously low. So go to www.steeldealers.com and find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need, and they won't try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. 
Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.